grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for he is gracious and praise is fitting. Let us pray. Eternal Father, who at the baptism of Jesus revealed him to be your Son, your eternal Son, who is our Savior, and anointed him with the Holy Spirit, grant to us, who are born again by water and the Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our worship today. Be present with us now, we ask. Renew your people with your heavenly grace. And in all our weakness, sustain us by your true and living word, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our first hymn is number 302, Come Christians Join to Sing. grace of God has dawned upon the world through our Savior, Jesus Christ, who sacrificed himself for us to redeem us from all iniquity and to purify for himself a people of his own who were zealous for good deeds. Let us confess our sin. Let us pray together. Almighty God, our maker and redeemer, once we were far off from you, having no hope and cut off from you in the world. But now Jesus Christ has brought us near to you, reconciling us to you. We poor sinners confess that we have been sinful and unclean and that we have sinned against you by thought, word, and deed. Therefore, we flee for refuge to your boundless mercy, seeking and imploring your grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
O most merciful God, since you have given your only begotten Son to die for us, have mercy on us, and for his sake grant us forgiveness of all our sins, and by your Holy Spirit increase in us true knowledge of you and of your will and true obedience to your word, to the end that by your grace we may come to everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please stand for the assurance of pardon. Since, therefore, we share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same nature, that through death he might destroy him who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong bondage. I declare to you as a minister of the gospel that all those who have faith in Jesus Christ and do repent of their sin are truly forgiven of all their sin. This is the good news of the gospel, and we say together, praise be to God. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, the call to confession mentioned, uh, it's really taking a line from uh, Titus, the letter of Paul to Titus, about being zealous for good deeds. And we need to remember that those good deeds follow from um, remembering that we are sinners who have to be forgiven and um, cleansed by God's grace. And so because that has happened for us through Jesus Christ, we are called to obedience and to be zealous for good deeds. And this is what the, um, what the Scripture teaches us. It says that in and through Jesus Christ, you have been given a share in the inheritance of saints in the light. You have been delivered from the dominion of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of God's beloved Son. So you now live according to a whole new order as citizens of the kingdom of God. I appeal, the apostle appeals to the church, therefore, to conduct yourselves according to the kingdom of God and not according to the ways of the world. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To him who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from him who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and of him who takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. And as you wish that men would do to you, do so to them. For this is God's will for us in Jesus Christ. And let us say, Amen. Our hymn is the insert in the bulletin, The Sinless One to Jordan Came.
Let us bow our heads in prayer. Almighty and holy God, who in your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, grants us such great mercy that we don't even understand the fullness of it, but we do experience it through Christ. We praise you that he humbled himself in his baptism in order to save us from our sin. And we thank you for sending him to be the light of the world and for establishing us as the children of his light in this world. We rejoice that you did not abandon your creation once we sinned, but that you have acted in Christ to reclaim your world and renew it from our sin. Give us the grace, we pray, to believe and live accordingly that we might truly shine in this world for which Jesus came and serve as agents of renewal. We praise you for your sovereign and good purpose for your good governance of your creation and for the assurance that you work at all that you are at work in all things for our good and for your glory. Enable us by your grace to boldly entrust our very lives to you and so live in the freedom and joy which is ours in Christ. We pray for the church, we pray for our presbytery which meets this week and for Martin Novak, pastor at New Life Fellowship, and for that church in Holland, for Grace Covenant Church in Sheffield as they search for a pastor. We also pray for your church throughout the world, and we remember the Reformed churches and the other churches in Haiti, and that our missionaries are not able to function there right now. We pray for the other churches that are not Presbyterian, like Good Shepherd Baptist and Emmanuel Lutheran that are here near us in Southfield. Grant them growth in the faith, hope, and love of Jesus Christ. Hear our prayers for the church, for these churches, and others that come to mind.
Especially, we pray this day for the fortitude of your grace. We rejoice that you have sustained us and blessed us another year in 2023. And now we look forward to a new year and we seek your continued blessing. We pray for the world. We pray for the end of war in Ukraine and Israel and Palestine, the end of attacks on the Christians in Nigeria and in Iran, and the end of the violence in New Orleans and Chicago and Washington, D.C. We pray for safety and protection in our own cities here in this area where there is much violence and in our own metropolitan area. May there be a respect for human life instead of dehumanizing people or regarding them as something in our way. Here are prayers for uh, peace and a reduction of the violence. Do not let us forget that Jesus Christ is Lord, and he's not just Lord of the church, but of all your creation. Bless and prosper your people who serve you in their many vocations, and hear our prayers for the work that we will do in this new year. Show mercy to us in this nation in which we live. We pray you would work out your purposes here. Especially, we pray for our President, Joe Biden, for Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House, Mitch McConnell, McConnell in the Senate, <clears throat> for our Senators, Gary Peters and Debbie Stabenow, and our Governor, Gretchen Whitmer. May they work to make good policies and uphold what is right, and we pray that you would frustrate the plans that are foolish and destructive. Hear our prayers. We pray for the ill, for those in pain, for those who mourn, for those in trouble. By your grace, may those in such conditions trust you. Give them the comfort and strength of your presence. Surround them with your love and power, and may they know the fellowship of Christ, who bore the pain and suffering of this fallen world for us, and at the last won victory over sin and death. We remember especially Eduardo and Frida, Fawn, Shirley, Linda, Bob, Jeff, Leah, the Carters, Tammy and her family, and our friends Becky and Tom, Bob, Phil, Angie, Kara, Kay, Karen, Dominic, Jane, and others we name to you in silence. And now, Almighty Father, ruler of all things in heaven and earth, we ask you to accept the prayers of your people, strengthen us to do your will, through Jesus Christ, who taught us when we pray to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us present our gifts and offerings to the Lord.
please stand with me as we pray, dedicating the offering that we just called. Let's read the prayer in the bulletin. Merciful God, God, we we offer you these humble gifts, signs of your goodness and mercy. Receive them with our gratitude, that through us all people may know the riches of your love in Christ. Amen. And now let's pray our prayer of illumination as we prepare to hear God's word read and preached. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come now to hear your word, to um, have you uh, penetrate our, our dullness, our blindness, and as your people, as your flock, to feed us and guide us, lead us, protect us um, in strengthening our faith in Christ and the good news of our salvation in him. We pray this in his name. Amen. Our reading begins with a bit of correction here. We'll be reading from chapter 7 of Genesis, not chapter 11. Beginning in verse 11. Hear now God's word. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, and on, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth. The windows of the heavens were opened, and rain fell upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. On the very same day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast, according to its kind, and all the livestock, according to their kinds, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, according to its kind, and every bird, according to its kind, every winged creature. They went into the ark with Noah, two and two, of all flesh, in which there was the breath of life. And those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded them, him. And the Lord shut him in. The flood continued 40 days on the earth. The waters increased and bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the face of the waters. 
And the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep. And all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds, livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth, and all mankind. Everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those who were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. Our Psalter response from Psalm 29. <clears throat> Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. And strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry for The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Our epistle reading is in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another, uh, stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And our gospel reading, Matthew chapter 3 beginning in verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so for now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. 
And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. The word of the Lord. Jesus began his mission to save us by being baptized. A large crowd of Israel gathered at the Jordan River. They were serious and penitent. Perhaps the words of the Psalms were buzzing around in their heads as they, re- or they recited them on their lips, like Psalm 6, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Or Psalm 30, To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. And Psalm 59, Deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who work evil. And something like maybe Psalm 103, Redeem our life from the pit. Crown us with your steadfast love and mercy. Speaking words of repentance, the crowd shuffled toward the water. John the Baptist was there in the water also. He was loud and frenzied sloshing here and there from person to person, shouting out, Repent, 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 for the kingdom of God is here. The day of God's salvation had arrived. John was busy splashing about, and the people in the water were soaked and dripping. And then John saw him, Jesus. John did not completely understand who Jesus was or what he had come to do, but John was there for God's purposes, and he knew that Jesus had something to do with that purpose. Jesus was the one they were waiting for. However, when Jesus waded into the water with the people in order to be baptized, John protested. I don't need to be baptized. I don't need to baptize you, he said. I need you to baptize me. John wanted that spirit and fire baptism that he knew was coming, not the water baptism. He wanted that kind of baptism to come down upon the people. This was Jesus' answer to him, and I want to draw your attention to it in the text in Matthew. Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. In another church, I once had a man ask me, why do we need to be baptized? That seems to be a big question for many Christians. They just don't quite understand why do we need to do that? My uh, children, I think I've told you this before, but my children went to a Christian school and began to um, discover among their classmates that very few of them had been baptized. They, had, they were Christians. They considered themselves, considered themselves Christians. They were members of the church. Most of them were even Baptists, which makes this even more mystifying. Um, but they had not been baptized. And so this fellow came and asked that question. And I pointed out that Jesus commanded it at the end of Matthew's gospel. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He didn't disagree with me. He wasn't trying to, to you know, get out of anything. He just didn't understand. So he made an interesting comment. Well, Jesus did it, so I guess we should. And that's what our story is today about Jesus getting baptized. That's essentially right. I'm not sure he fully understood the connection, but our baptism has everything to do with Jesus' baptism. Christian baptism is hardly a humdrum, stale, mechanical kind of an event. The water of Jesus' baptism 
was the water of God's judgment and salvation. And ours, our baptism, is nothing less than that. To understand this, we must hear how Jesus fulfilled the baptismal water of the Old Testament. Noah was in the water. The book of Genesis tells us the world had become a wicked place in the days of Noah. The Bible says, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence. Sin had taken hold. It is, in its pride, humanity had turned away from God, its creator. Paradise, the world that God had created good, had become a wasteland. The world was like a big barrel of corruption and violence. In Romans chapter 1, the apostle Paul fills out this corruption and violence with a list of the particular kinds of sin in the world. People's hearts were corrupted and they, were, they craved impurity and created their own gods. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. Humanity made gods out of anything and everything in the world rather than honor and worship the true God. People's passions were corrupted, and they loved each other unnaturally, not the way that God created them to love each other. Their minds were corrupted, and they were filled filled up with all manner of unrighteousness. In their corruption, people filled the world with evil and covetousness and malice. This is how the apostle talks about it in Romans chapter 1. They became full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. And the world was full of gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. It's quite a picture, isn't it, of this world, and that had come to a high point in the days of Noah. Therefore, in the time of Noah, God brought down his judgment upon the earth by way of a flood. And our text there, our Old Testament lesson, began this way. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on the day, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were opened, and the rain fell upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Scripture gives us the image of water gushing onto the earth from underneath, the springs under the earth. The the idea was that the earth, the land, has water underneath it and above it. And so the, the water was gushing up onto the earth from below, and there was water pouring out of the sky onto the earth from above. In other words, God had turned the faucet on, and it rained and it rained and it rained. And what did God do? Well, he turned the world basically into a huge baptismal pool. The waters were the waters of God's judgment. Judgment waters, we might call them. They were drowning waters. They were deadly waters. The scripture says God blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground. But in his mercy, God kept Noah and his family safe by shutting them in the ark. The waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the face of the waters. Now, you might imagine that Noah would have preferred to stay out of the waters of God's judgment. Lord, it's okay, drown everything on this earth, but just keep me out of it. Give me a safe place where I can stand above it and be out of it. If If it were you, wouldn't you prefer to sit it out, watch from the sidelines, get around those deadly waters somehow? But Noah could not because the waters filled the earth. There was no way to avoid God's judgment. God's judgment is sure. The world was filled with those judgment waters. But his grace is also sure. 
and you know what happened to Noah. Noah and his household passed through the judgment waters in the ark that God had instructed him to build. It was God's ark for Noah. And in that ark, Noah passed through the waters safely. God's grace was present in the judgment waters. Now, the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, were in the water also. The book of Exodus tells us that the people entered the water in the days of Pharaoh when they were captive or when they were coming out of Egypt. The Pharaoh held on to the people of Israel with an iron fist. He would not let go, and he forced them into cruel slavery. God heard Israel's cries to him, and he came to deliver his people. He sent the ten plagues on Egypt, and then he led Israel out of captivity. With his mighty arm, he led out his people like sheep. He led them out to the water of the Red Sea. The people were up against it. The sea was in front of them, and the Egyptian army with Pharaoh at its head was behind them. And filled with fear, the people thought this was the end. One way or another, they were going to die, and they cried out to the Lord. They looked around for a way out, a way to get around the water, a way to somehow a third option, rather than the Egyptian army or the sea, the Red Sea in front of them, and there was no third option. The Lord led them to the water, and he led them into the water. God told Moses to lift up his staff, and he separated the waters. The people stepped in and walked through the waters to the other side. And the Egyptians, full of their confidence, followed after Israel in hot pursuit. They also entered the waters. But God released the waters upon the Egyptian army, and they all drowned. This, too, was the water of judgment. They were drowning waters, and in those waters God destroyed his enemies. The scripture says, Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea. The floods covered them. They went down to the depths like a stone. God's enemies fell under his judgment in the water. The water was no less judgment water for Israel. But the Lord was present in the water. The Lord God Almighty who judges and does not overlook the guilty, but who also is merciful and gracious. The Lord was present in the water of the Red Sea, and he brought Israel safely through the water. I love one of the Psalms. I can't recall it right now. Psalm 70-something that talks about his footprints. We're seeing, you know, we're in the, uh, in the, in the, in the water, or the, we're in the Red Sea as they pass through the water. The Lord's footprints were there. Many years later, Israel found itself in the water again when they crossed into the land of Canaan. The people stood on the banks of the river looking over at the new land God was giving them. And the Jordan River was their entrance into the promised land. The gateway to their new life with God was through the water. And God had made a covenant with Israel, and in that covenant, he required obedience from the people. It's not like you can just have a relationship with God. There needs to be a relationship of righteousness, of obedience, uh, holiness, because he's a holy, righteous God. God said, you shall therefore obey the voice of the Lord your God, keeping his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. And the Lord told the people that when they crossed over the Jordan River and entered the promised land, if they were careful to do all his commandments, then all his blessings would come upon them. But if they did not obey God's commandments, then God's judgment would come upon Israel with all the curses of the law. And you can hear all that described at the end of Deuteronomy. 
the requirement of obedience represented by the tablets of God's law was contained. So the covenant that God had made with Israel and the obedience that was required was set out on these two tablets of the law. And those tablets were put into the Ark of the Covenant. And God had told Israel how to build the Ark of the Covenant and what to put in it. And they were standing on the banks of the Jordan River with the Ark of the Covenant in front of them. The Lord led the people into the water. The priests were to go in first, carrying the Ark of the Covenant. God told the people that he was present with them by means of the Ark. And as soon as the feet of the priests touched the water, the river separated, much like it did, or much like the Red Sea had done. Following God's instructions, the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant into the middle of the river, and there they stood, the priests with the Ark of the Covenant, they stood there while Israel passed through the water and passed by the Ark. One by one, the people passed by, old and young, men and women, to the other side of the Jordan, and each one had to pass by the Ark of the Covenant. Obedience to God was required for their new life in the land of Canaan. This was water that promised new life, a new life freed from the old life of captivity and bondage and wandering. It was a new life of peace and blessing with God, and it would burst out in the land like flowers blooming across a field after the spring rains. It would be like a great feast with all the people sitting at table eating and drinking and laughing and rejoicing. It was life with peace and security and justice and righteousness. But this life of God had to come by obedience. The water was the water of judgment as well as life. The demand of obedience was exact. And who could keep God's, who could fulfill God's requirement of obedience? Who could keep God's law? See, it's always easier with God's law to muffle it, to kind of suppress it, to soften it up, to ignore it, or try to rewrite it. The righteousness of God is perfect, and no one is perfect, and Israel certainly showed that they could not keep God's law. They had been violating God's law from the moment they left Egypt. And as soon as they entered the new land that God gave them, they continued to sin and disobey the Lord. The water became the water of judgment for the people of Israel, too, because of their disobedience. But the Lord was with the people in the water. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, stood in the water with the people. And there he was to fulfill all righteousness, to accomplish what God had revealed to Noah and Israel in the water. Jesus was baptized in the water of God's judgment with the people. He entered the water to make a way through God's judgment. The righteous one, who was guilty of no sin, was baptized with the people in order to save them from destruction. And he did this by perfectly obeying God's commandments. When Jesus was baptized, the Lord, the Father, affirmed Jesus' righteousness when he said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The people had not obeyed God's commands. They had violated all of them. Their guilt was upon them. And that's why John told them that they had to receive a baptism of repentance. There was no one who could raise his hand and said, I don't need that. Maybe not everyone showed up. But they could not say that they weren't guilty. The people needed to be made right with God. God sent his son into the water to fulfill all righteousness and to make people righteous. Jesus' obedience would be credited to them and they would be declared righteous. Jesus was also baptized in the water to destroy the enemies of God. God destroyed Pharaoh's army in the water. 
Jesus was baptized to drown the greater powers of sin and death and the devil. The faithful Son of God came not to affirm sin or to allow it to continue, but to kill it. Jesus was baptized to drown sin in this world and in us. He entered the water with all those who were under the curse of death in order to free them from death. With Jesus in the water, death could no longer hold them. Death was because of sin, and Jesus was the obedient son. Therefore, death had no right to him. Like the boat that kept Noah and his family secure through the flood, Jesus became the ark that frees sinners under a death sentence. God sent his son to bear the full force of his judgment for our sin, even to his death on the cross. And those who are joined to Christ in faith and baptism will pass through God's judgment safely. The devil is fiercer than the terror groups like Hamas and the tyrants in this world like Kim Jong-un in North Korea and Min Ong Hiliang in Myanmar. The devil is crafty and totally devoted to your destruction. He enslaves and he burns the life out of people. Jesus was baptized to destroy the devil. He did this by taking the devil's power from him. Our sin creates these cracks which the devil makes the most of. Have you noticed that in your own life? We sin, we entertain sin, and these cracks begin to develop, and the devil begins to tempt, and he, he takes advantage of that. By drowning our sin, Jesus disarms the devil and frees us from his grip. And Jesus was baptized to bring us into the new life of God. Just like Israel passed through the water with the Ark of the Covenant, we pass through the water with Jesus, the righteous one, into the new life of God. Our epistle reading from Hebrews tells us that we can now draw near to God in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Well, what water is that? It's not talking about tap water. It's the baptismal water of Jesus Christ. Jesus washes our sin away so that we may have a new life with God instead of living under the old life of sin and judgment. Now, we have been in the water, those of us who have been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We who have sinned against God, we who have been full of guilt, we who have been under the judgment of God, we who have been subject to the devil's power, we who are drowning in the alienation and lostness of this world, do you feel overwhelmed by your sin? Do you know your guilt for the wrongs you have committed? Do you see how you are caught up with the systems of power in this world that wreck people's lives and crush them? Well, I have good news for you. Jesus stands in the water with us. Jesus, the righteous one. Jesus, our ark. Jesus, the one through whom we pass safely through the judgment waters. You, who are baptized, are to take this to heart. Now, there's another story in the Bible about Jesus in the water. It's the story of the disciples in a boat in the stormy sea. They were beaten by the waves and the wind was against them. Jesus was on the shore and he came to them walking on the sea. But the disciples did not recognize him. They thought he was a ghost and they cried out with fear. However, Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, have no fear. Peter asked if he could come to Jesus on the water. Jesus bid him to come. And Peter got out of the boat and began to walk toward Jesus. But, the scripture says, when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid, 
and and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and caught him. O man of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got back into the boat, the wind ceased, and they worshiped Jesus. Jesus is in the water with us to save us. Look to him with trust. He reaches out to you and pulls you up. Give thanks for Jesus in the water and for your baptism in Christ because he brings us safely through. Let us pray. Father in heaven, who at the baptism of Jesus in the river Jordan proclaimed him your beloved son and revealed his anointing with the Holy Spirit, grant that all who are baptized into his name may be cleansed of their sin and made righteous with you by Christ's righteousness and also be freed from the power of the devil so that they may boldly confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, in glory everlasting. Amen. Well, please stand and let us confess our faith, having heard the word of God. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, being of one substance with the Father, through whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, and we believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our hymn is number 415, Baptized into Your Name Most Holy.
And Jesus looked out upon the crowds that had come out of the town to him. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he had them all sit down in groups upon the green grass. That little phrase there, just a little side note, but uh, indicates it probably was in the spring, given that climate and that uh, location. Then taking five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. The miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. As they were eating, Jesus took bread when he instituted the Lord's Supper. Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus fed the 5,000 with the miracle of the multiplication of the loaves and the fish, um, and, but even with a greater wonderful miracle in the presence of Christ, he feeds us this day in his whole church. This is the Lord's table, and he invites us to feast with him. Those who come to this holy meal promise to trust and love and obey him as the Lord of every realm of life and to live in love and concern for each other. It's my privilege as Christ's minister to invite all who have been baptized, who have publicly professed their faith in Jesus Christ, and our communicant members of a Christian church to come to this, this table. And as you accept this gracious invitation, you confirm that you are trusting Jesus Christ alone as your Savior from sin. You're endeavoring with all your heart to obey him by his grace and that you are seeking to live with love and concern with your fellow Christians with whom you'll be eating and drinking. Coming to the Lord's table, we cannot harbor grudges or unforgiveness towards each other. To do so incurs the displeasure of the Lord. Coming, you affirm your love for one another in Christ. <clears throat> Join with me in giving thanks to God for our new life and salvation in Jesus Christ. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. We give thanks to you, eternal God, our merciful Father, with the whole company of the church, whose hallelujahs crescendo louder and louder in grateful praise. For you are our creator. And you are our salvation. And so we say with, your, with the host in heaven, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty. You have anointed your son, Jesus Christ, to be the servant of our salvation. You commissioned him to lead us back to you, saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And he obediently received his commissioning at his baptismal waters and stepped out to perform your will for our salvation. He went into the wilderness to confront our enemy. He continued forth to heal and proclaim the new life of your salvation. And he proceeded to the cross so that he might bear the full cost of our sin. And we might receive your pardon and die and rise with him. Great is your salvation in Christ. And we do confess with your church as we come to this table. Christ has died. Christ has risen. And Christ will come again. Bless us now at this meal. With these your gifts of bread and the cup set upon this table, and may our eating of the bread and drinking of the cup be for us a communion in the body and blood of our, Jesus, of our Lord Jesus Christ. In this way may Christ be proclaimed and we be fed by him and our faith made strong and real in him, and we serve you with fresh obedience. In this way may we be kept your church in Christ 
and receive his blessings forevermore. To you be the glory, O Heavenly Father, along with your Son and the Holy Spirit, one God. And together we say, Amen. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ took the bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he also took the cup, saying, This cup is the cup of the new covenant, sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. bread and drink this cup and remember Christ's body and blood given for you. Receive it with faith and thanksgiving. Take and eat and drink.
Let us pray. Almighty Father, whose Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, is the light of the world, may your people, illumined by your word and sacraments, shine with the radiance of his glory, that he may be known and worshipped and obeyed to the ends of the earth. For he is alive and he reigns, now and forever. Amen. Our final hymn is number 311, Hail to the Lord's Anointed.
Please be seated, and good morning to you all. Um, a few items of uh, just scheduling. So we were supposed to have um, the our ministry at the uh, jail on Friday. Unfortunately, the uh, the weather uh, kind of kept us from being able to do that for the first time since I can remember. Um, but uh, certainly keep uh, keep that ministry um, in your prayers. It is uh, not not just us, of course, but uh, there are. You know, at least a dozen churches who uh, there's stuff kind of going on there you know uh, several days a week several different groups um, and uh, so just pray that the Lord will continue to provide um, people to uh, to share the gospel in those walls um, for this week Thursday I believe is the Bible study is starting back up so um, that'll be Thursday evening at seven o'clock um, so please uh, plan to attend if you can. There's also a meeting of this presbytery on Friday of this week, um, so um, keep that in your prayers. And uh, finally, of course, a week from, uh, essentially a week from right now, we will be having our uh, meetings of the congregation and the corporation um, to elect officers and to um, uh, discuss and approve the budget and, and do the, the official business for the uh, 2024 calendar year. Um, in order to do that business, of course, we need to have a quorum of the membership. And so we are uh, asking um, really pretty please if you are able to get here. Um, that would be uh, of great benefit to us all as we, uh, as we move forward into the, this uh, new year. Um, I think that's all I have. Is there anything else? Me first. Oh, can, can you read the purpose for the I apologize. I was caught off guard by the tension of whether Jeff or Heidi would get the floor first. I, I'm willing to run a meeting of the corporation and, and congregation even, but I don't know if I'm willing to referee that particular um, that particular debate. Um, is it on here? Um, yes. So the congregational meeting is set for January the 21st at 11:30 a.m. for the purpose of adopting the budget, electing officers, and hearing reports. Anyone else? Mrs. Wilson? Yeah, so I was just thinking about Detroit County. What do we get from Colin? Are you giving me an iPad? <laughs> we will discuss uh, prizes. Uh, I, I, I have nothing to offer you but my, my gratitude. And um, you, you know what? You may have a week off of teaching Christian education to my children. I know. Uh, um, anyone else? Yes, please, Mr. Roberts. The audit of the very good. So the uh, the audit for the 2023 fiscal year will be on Saturday, and so pray that that goes well. Yes, Mrs. Roberts. Yeah, we're going to the 11th now. I I heard that the Bratchers are going to be in town, and they wanted to. Eat, so we're just combining it. Is that not true? I took a leap of faith that that's what was happening. <laughs> the Bratchers visit, <clears throat> they wanted to eat with us. So it's rather than doing two meals, we just thought we'd have the 
fellowship meal on the 11th. Does that sound good? All right, so for those following along at home, the February fellowship meal um, will not be the first uh, Lord's Day of the month, but on February 11th, um, and uh, the Bratchers, um, rumor has it, are visiting, um, and uh, so we will be able to enjoy some extra time visiting with them, so plan on Christian education on February the 4th, it would be, and then uh, fellowship meal on the 11th. Anyone else? All right, well then, go grab a cup of coffee and uh, fight off the freezing cold temperatures.